Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. You're absolutely flying in here. Loving your company and your input into the program. It's Kane Corns in for the captain's run for Sammy Edmund today, who is on breakfast. One three hundred seven three six seven three six. We've spoken to Tim Payne. We spoke about the cricket last night. What a performance from the Aussies! Got to love a low-scoring, tight, tense ODI. Bit of rain around, pitch doing everything. Our fast bowlers came to play, as did our fielders. And then we had a crack at the the top of the innings. Got into some trouble through the middle, and then the the tailenders saved us late. India on Sunday night awaits. They're unbeatable. We can't beat them, but it's been an excellent effort. To get there, he can have his say on that. Spoke to Dave Matthews from the Giants, who was pretty upbeat about their fixture, including their prospects ahead of 2024, but didn't miss on Mason Cox. I'll replay what he had to say about Mason uh, as we proceed through the captain's run. But the draft is coming up. What an exciting time it is for these young players who are about to live out their boyhood dreams, I'm sure. Mick Ablett is a draft expert. He joins us thanks to the all-new Cherry Tigo 7 Pro, available now for just $39,990. Drive away. Mick, good to catch up again. Thanks for your time. Yeah, morning, Kane. Great to chat with you, mate. And as you say, it's uh, it's only just around the corner now. And I'm sure, mate, when you cast your mind back as a as a young fella, you've got, um, I'm sure you'd have plenty of empathy and understanding for what these young men are, are about to come up against. Oh, it was unbelievable. Man. I didn't sleep for a couple of weeks and I, I made the uh, bad mistake of having the Channel 7 cameras live in my house. So back in the day, it was broadcast live on Channel 7 and I had the cameras there and they were just obviously capturing everything and I had to wait a little bit longer than I would have liked to have been drafted. So seven got that. And then you look back on the footage and you go, what were you thinking having them there? But uh, yeah, so I do, I do sympathize with, with the players. Now you may be a little bit sick of talking about the draft, but it fascinates a lot of people. Just overall, the strength of it. How do you see it? Yeah, ne- never get sick of it, mate. It's, um, you know, it's a great time and it's, it's always been a, a privilege to be involved in, the draft and with the young people coming through and, and then obviously seeing them go on to bigger and better things as, as per what your own career played out. But, um, yeah, mate, look, I, I get really disappointed when people talk the draft down. I just think for the amount of work that goes into it, both from a player's perspective, from, you know, their families and friends and those people around the talent pathways have put so much time and effort in, I... I do get a little bit upset when I hear people talk it down, but um, look, this draft's going to be as solid as any other, to be honest. I think from a positional perspective, I think you've got your tall defenders, you've got your tall forwards, there's a number of ruckmen, and then your variety of mids. You've, you know, you've got some guys that are sort of just hovering around the 180 centimetre mark, and then you've got some guys that are up around the 190 centimetre plus mark. So I, uh, I just think there's plenty in this draft for everyone, and and I think when we look back, you know, as per what we normally do in sort of three, four, five years' time, I think we'll be talking very highly about what's coming mm. through. When you speak to clubs uh, now, is everyone sort of after that powerful forward half player? I mean, we, we talk about Dustin Martin, but take your pick, Petrarca, 
you know, the Isaac Heaney type, Cam Rain. I mean, there's there's a lot of players that can now do it. Is that the number one player that uh, teams now think makes a big difference? Yeah, you're spot on, Kane. I, this is where, in my personal opinion, I think the game's going. I, it's going to be interesting to see what they do with the, the medical stuff. If, if it goes down the path of that being abolished at any stage and we go to just having five on the bench, we start to, the game starts to turn into a real power game and, and something that's going to be high intensity. And, and those names you just rattled off before, they're the sort of player that suits in a Jordan DeGoey type and, yeah. and those sorts of guys as well. So, you know, when you get to this draft and you start thinking of the Harley Reeds and the Colton Folstrups and these sorts of kids, it's, that's the challenge when it comes to list management and, you know, crystal balling a little bit as to where the game's going to go. But my personal opinion, I, I, I think that's the way it's going to head. I don't think it's going to become a real endurance-type spectacle again. I, I think it's more based around speed and power and, mm. and those sorts of guys are really going to come into their own. Yeah, and if, I mean, every team will assess their own list and if you're if you don't have one, you're going, well, we need we need one and we better find one. And that's what they're paying big money for. That's why teams wanted Jordan to go and, and others when there was a possibility of him leaving. Is Zane Dersma that? I know he's a, a goal-kicking forward half player, strong overhead. He probably doesn't have the build yet that some of those names we've mentioned uh, do. But does he have the ability to one day be that? I think he's going to get an opportunity. There's no doubt about that. I mean, I'm a great believer in with some of these young players, and you mentioned, like, Zane's a very, very talented forward. He's got an outstanding vertical jump. He's got you know, beautiful balance and, and poise in the way he plays. So he's really made his name up in the forward line. He was a captain of the uh, the Coach League Team of the Year. And right at the moment, he's probably more likened to a Mark Lacroix type of player where he currently sits. But yep. you know, I've seen a lot of these guys get into AFL clubs. And then you know once they're around guys... You know, like a Dustin Martin, like a Jordan DeGoey, that they can actually learn from and and um, and really, you know, build their repertoire around. I think we've seen them progress into into those sort of players later in their career. So there's nothing to say that Zane won't get to that level. Um, he's probably not that player right at the minute, but um, but yeah, look, I, I think he's going to get some exposure to the midfield at some stage. So the player that fascinates me most, and I, I just wonder whether he's going to be a bit of a slider, is is Nick Watson. So I've, you know, Matty Lloyd's been speaking about him for ages on the uh, when I sit next to him on the Sunday Footy Show for a couple of years, just about the, the tricks that he's got as a small forward and everyone coming to watch him and bums on seats from the, the school kids, and he's gone viral on on social media. But he's 170 centimeters, Mick. I, I personally regardless of how good he is, wouldn't you sort of a top four or five pick on a player that's 170? Is, is he the potential to slide down the order? It's a really interesting one, Kane, and I understand what you're saying. And, and, you know, when guys like yourself and myself talk about players, and it's a personal opinion, and, and that's what recruiting is. You, your opinion is going to be different to the next person, the next person. But I can certainly see... The concern, I mean, when you look back over recent times at small forwards, I think of Cody Waitman, who's probably one of the better small forwards yep. of recent times. And, you know, Cody was pick 14 uh, back in his draft year. So, you know, when you're looking around that mark, you can understand the selection. Um, and for Nick Watson, look, there's nothing else Nick could have done over the course of the year. He's an outstanding mm. talent. He's, he's called the wizard for a reason. And, mm-hmm. um 
and he's got a you know a, a brilliant following, and, and rightfully so. I just my only concern with somebody for where the game's going at a you know at 170 centimeters, he's he's a, a very much a niche market type of player. Whereas you mentioned he's that small forward, and he's, he's one of the best at what he does, but. A lot of the time when you're looking at the players up around that real pointy end of the draft, you're looking for a little bit of flexibility. You're looking for guys that, you know, can maybe play a couple of different roles, whether it's a midfield forward or, or vice versa, or, you know, whether it's the big power forward. Um, you know, and they generally are a little bit bigger. So, look, I'm, the word around is that I know there's a couple of clubs that are very, very keen on him in that, that top half a dozen um, you know, picks, but um, yeah, it's, it's going to be a very, very interesting watch as to, to what stage he goes. And look, it only takes one club, doesn't it, as we know, to, to take a real liking to a player and give him an opportunity and and call his name out. But um, yeah, he, he is the outlier when you look mm. at the size and types of those in that specific part of the draft. But that's not to say he doesn't warrant being selected there either. Yeah, so I, I just looked at some players that can compare with his height. So Cozzy Pickett's 171, Watson's 170. Uh, Cozzy Pickett uh, was picked 12 in, in 2019 and, and Melbourne identified him and, and you know, traded up to, to get him in the trade period. But he's got serious wheels, doesn't he, Cozzy Pickett? Different type of player. So I'm just fascinated to see which club goes there and does he have the potential uh, to slip down the order? Hey, we saw everyone looking for a key defender in the trade period, like just paying huge bucks for, for key defenders, and everyone wanted one to the point where, you know, Port Adelaide cough up a big deal for Radigalia. We know about Ben Mackay and others. So who's the best key defender in the draft? What doesn't a club just go and draft one? Yeah, yeah they generally take a bit more time, don't they? And, and, you know, clubs that are in the window, if you look at Port Adelaide and, you know, and even where Essendon's list is at and we can argue all day whether Ben Mackay was worth what he got paid yeah. and worth the compensation pick for North Melbourne but at the end of the day he's right place right time and I, I never detest a player that you know gets paid if someone's willing to pay and, and offer the money then um, then good luck to him but um, well, I think the best player Jane, to answer your question is as a key defender in this particular draft is Conor O'Sullivan he's, uh, he's 198 centimetres 92 kilos and he just attacks and slingshots from deep at, at every opportunity. He's got an ability to really take the game on. Runs really well. He ranked eighth in the 2K time trial at the the, uh, the National Combine. And, mm. you know, he's also, as much as I say, he slingshots and he runs and takes the game on, he's also got that knack to really compose himself at times and, and let the game unfold in front of him. Sums up the situation well and... and uh, you know, he was an All-Australian at the, the Under-18 Championships. And for mine, I think he'll be the first one called when it comes to um, to key defenders on Monday night. All right. Uh, the Dogs, I reckon they've been blessed in, in recent drafts through Hugo Hagen with the Academy and Darcy, who I'm a, I'm a huge fan of, of Sam Darcy. Now, Croft is the next one. I've, I've had a look at his highlights. He's a... I don't know, there's a bit of Nick Blakey about him, but there's a bit of Eric Hipwood about him when he plays forward. 201 elite speed, athleticism, skinny, of course. But the Dogs have got another one, have they? I mean, what's the talent upside with, with the father-son? Yeah, it's going to be amazing, isn't it, to see what the Dogs do with their actual lineup when you, you know, Jordan Croft is going to end up at the Bulldogs. Let's make no mistake. And, 
you know, he's a very, very exciting talent. He kicked 23 goals in 11 games in the in the Coach League, and it was his ability on the run from outside 50, which which I really liked when you sit back and watch his vision and, and you look at how he plays. He's very, very dangerous from around that 50-metre mark. And mm. you know, as you mentioned, he's an elite runner. He finished fourth in the 2K time trial at the time of six minutes and five seconds, which is absolutely flying for anyone, let alone a guy that's over 200 centimetres. So you know, when you start to look at Rory Lobb, as you mentioned, Sam Darcy, Aaron Norton, Jamara Hugel hagen um, they've got plenty of hyper dogs, and then you throw Jordan Croft in as well. I'm really interested to see what Luke Beveridge does with that mix, um, whether any of those guys transition to a, a centre-half back type role. Um, but he's a nice problem to have. But, but Jordan Croft, and you know, I love the romance of the father-sons. I don't think that's a rule that we should ever change. I know there's a lot of, lot of conjecture about... Um, you know, next generation academies and the northern academies and the like, but um, you know, father sons are a, a really, a really established, loved part of the game that we should never ever touch. And it'd be great to see Jordan Croft make his way to the Western Bulldogs and follow in the footsteps of his father. Mickey Ablett is with us on the Captain's Run, talking all things uh, Monday's draft. What about the frenzy of trade? Oh, I call it a frenzy. I hope it's a frenzy of clubs trading picks on the night. Are we going to see some action? Yeah. Yeah, I think we will. I, I definitely think we will. I, I don't think it's 100% locked in, I think, in terms of what's happening with pick one just yet. It, it really? Tell me, more, tell me more about that. Is, it, is there oh, still I a just, chance, is there? Well, I think, I think it'd be silly if, um, if the door was closed just yet. I mean, it's highly likely that the West Coast Eagles do retain pick one, but... You know, North Melbourne have got an absolute cachet of picks. I know Melbourne are still keen to um, to work their way further up the order. And if you look at, you know, what they've got with pick 6 and 11, and then you've got the ability to trade future picks. So I just think there'll still be some offers come late for that pick one, and it's going to be interesting to watch that unfold. Um, and I think there'll be plenty of trading. I, I, the Fremantle Dockers are another one. If you look at their suite of picks for, for 2024, they're in a really strong position. But in this year's draft, they don't come in until pick 34. So I'd be surprised if we don't see the Dockers work work the phone pretty hard to push their way up the order as well. And you know, and then you throw into the mixes to to where the bits come on the Northern Academy players, such as Jed Walter and and Ethan Reid and Jake Rogers and, um, you know, even Will Graham that we haven't really touched on, another Gold Coast Suns Academy player that um, that I think will feature, you know, somewhere in the back end of the first round of the draft. He's very, very talented. So that certainly shakes up the order as well. And um, I think night one is going to be going to be a very, very interesting night. And I think we'll probably see, you know, maybe 25, 26 picks in that first round after all the bids come in and, and the trades get done, and the father son. So it's um, it's going to be one to watch, and it's going to be one that you're going to have to watch carefully to to, um, to get your head around what's actually happening and and who's moving mm. and shaping where. We'll be doing that. Is is there anyone that believes Jed Walter is the best player in the draft? Like is there, if he was on the just the open pool and not an academy player, would there be some talk about whether he's rated one above Harley Reid, or it's just Reid and then the field after that? No, I, I, I 100% agree with that, Kane. I think Jed Walter, if he was in the open draft, 
It'd be a very, very interesting decision. Jed Walters got ties to WA. Um, yep. he's, and in this particular draft, when you, you're talking the West Coast Eagles and their needs and, mm. and what it looks like, and look, at the end of the day, the, the go-home factor, I know nobody likes talking about it, and we can get criticised a lot for this, but it's also reality. There is, there is pull, and, and particularly for interstate players, you know, to stay home or return home. And look, if it's an open draft, I think the conversation would be going right up until a death knock as to, to what the West Coast Eagles would do, whether it's the power forward that's performed for two years straight at the under-18 championships. He's performed at state league level when he's played for the Suns VFL team. You know, and then you've got Harley Reid, who, you know, we've had numerous conversations about and, and sung his praises as, as a generational talent. But, you know, those two boys deserve equal billing, in my opinion, in terms of uh, the debate over who, who really deserves to go as the number one pick. All right. Are Port Adelaide even going to bother sending anyone to the draft, Mick? Oh, what a what a poor draft hand. I'm not sure anyone's had a worse draft hand than my team, Port Adelaide. 69-83-87. They just send Jeff Parker there and the rest can stay home, can't they? Yeah, it's, um, it's interesting. I've got a lot of respect and a very uh, good friend <laughs> of, of Jeff Parker's and, and also Cripper as well as the amount of times I've sat with Parks before a draft and um, and he's just shaking his head. Poor bloke gets um, <laughs> it's always picks out the back end and Cripper stitches him up year after year with what he does in trade series. But um, look, they've got a fantastic record, Kane, and I know they haven't got the ultimate success over recent time. But um, you know, I think when you look at the work that that recruiting group has done and the position they've put the footy club in. Um, you can't argue that they've got a great record through the trade period and through the draft with who they've been able to bring into the footy club. So it, it is going to be interesting. I'm hearing a number of clubs through rookie upgrades and the like may mm. only take one selection mm. at the draft and, and that then lends itself to, um, to obviously, you know, a little bit of a decrease in numbers to what we've seen in previous years. But, you know, that also comes as a result of clubs leave, leaving spots open uh, the pre-season supplemental period, the mid-season draft and those sorts of things. So, you know, I, don't, I think there'll be a couple of clubs, mate, that we won't see a great deal of over those couple of days. But, um, you know, each to their own. They've got a different way of going about it and building their list, which is reflective of, um, of what footy is in the modern era. Love your work, mate. Love your passion for it. Uh, you've been doing it for a long time now and appreciate the chat today. Good on you, Kane. Keep up the great work, mate, and all the best to all the young men over uh, Monday, Tuesday night. Absolutely. Mick Ablett there on the captain's run. That's thanks to the all-new Cherry Tigo 7 Pro SUV. Looks good, too. I just had to Google that. I wasn't fully familiar with the brand, but looked at it. Very nice-looking SUV there. So if you want an affordable car for $39,990, check out the all-new Cherry Tigo 7 Pro And don't forget, Sammy Eben, as I mentioned, doing a power of work this year. This is your journey on Sunday as he chats to champion triathlete Emma Carney there, all thanks to Tobin Brothers celebrating lives.